Hi, Jay Emery here. This is for Breakfast Program number 1254, Pandemics Incorporated, Part 4. This is being recorded on July 20th of the year 2022. Before getting into the main part of the program, uh, links and notifications, uh, at the top of each written for the record description, and because of the very pedantic nature of the program, I turn each for the record program into a long article length description. Uh, this program and the next will be, uh, <laughs> pedantic even by my usual standards. So I strongly recommend that listeners, uh, do check out the written descriptions for the programs at the top of each written food for the, uh, for the record description and at the top of each food for thought post, there are a number of links. Uh, I would also recommend that the now broken link to subscribing to the comments made mostly by our brilliant contributing editor, Parafractal, some by others, uh, be pursued uh, again. Terrafractal has been uh, posting extremely incisive comments for quite some time, and the link to subscribe to those no longer works, but you can just check spitfirelist.com on a regular basis, and you can see the comments that Terrafractal uh, has been making, and also the substantive comments that are made by other intelligent listeners. There is a link at the top of each written for the record description and at the top of each food for thought post that will enable you to uh, subscribe to the WFMU podcast of for the record. For those of you for whom podcasts are the best way to consume the program, sister station WFMU, that's William Fred Mary Union, is podcasting for the record. Another link will enable you to obtain the 32 gigabyte flash drive with all of the material on the SpitfireList.com website, uh, basically all of my life's work, both printed and recorded, plus an, an archive of old anti-fascist books on easy-to-download PDFs. I, again, am extremely pessimistic about the future. I think we may very well be headed for a third world war, and I think it is the responsibility of listeners as, frankly, sentient beings to do what they can to record the record of what happened for succeeding generations. Even <laughs> that makes the assumption there will be succeeding generations. I wish I could say I were more optimistic. In a couple of months, there will be a new uh, 32 gigabyte and updated flash drive. But in any event, everything I have done to date is available on a 32 gigabyte flash drive, and I emphatically encourage listeners to get a hold of that. It is available for a very nominal, tax-deductible contribution. And because there is so much going on, uh, I'm also putting material on a Patreon site. I'm doing three one-hour talks per week in a more informal format than the For the Record programs. And also bi-weekly, we're doing a Zoom Q&A session. I will also be putting up some articles before much longer on the, on the uh, Patreon website. Again, way too much going on to cover in a once a week or occasionally twice a week uh, program. So there are three one-hour talks per week 
on the Pat Brown site, plus a bi-weekly Zoom Q&A session for people who would like to feed back. Now we're going to uh, not only pick up where we left off last time, but we are going to uh, present some more details that are both unpleasant and also very important to grasp. Uh, last week, we, in the two pr- programs preceding that, we have spoken about uh, Metabiopa, a defense biowarfare contractor, its links to Munich Reinsurance, the capitalization of SAME uh, by Incutel, the CIA's venture capital arm, and the coalescence of that uh, consortium into a pandemic insurance program. We've also spoken about the fact that uh, Andrew C. Weber, a former assistant secretary of defense for nuclear, chemical, and biological warfare defense, became the head of Metabiota's uh, business group's global uh, control. Uh, actually, his full title is head of global partnerships in the government business unit, and he was, again, previously assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear, Chemical, and Biological Defense Programs. Metabiapa has been partnered with EcoHealth Alliance in the game-of-function manipulations of uh, bat-borne coronaviruses uh, that we will be resuming again, uh, discussion of which we will resume again uh, in this program and the next. A very important and uh, very distasteful addition to the understanding of this relationship, this concatenation, is the identity of Ukraine's United States-born health minister from July of 2016 through August of 2019. That is the same time period in which Metabiopa had been partnering with Burisma and uh, working in conjunction with some of the U.S.-funded and Pentagon-funded biolabs in Ukraine. Uh, Burisma, by the way, the Ihor Kolomoyskoy-controlled natural gas company, not only have Hunter Biden on its board of directors, but former CIA officer uh, Kofor Black, and he was actually a high-ranking CIA official, and it is generally very unlikely that someone attaining that rank would sever his connections with the agency. So the possibility that Kofor Black may very well have been a CIA liaison with the Burisma milieu is something to be considered. Now, again, the health minister of Ukraine for much of this time period was a woman named Ulyana Suprun, last name S-U-P-R-U-N. I've seen the first name of Ms. Suprun variously transliterated from the Cyrillic alphabet as U-L-Y-A-M-A, U-L-I-A-M-A, or U-L-A-M-A. In any event, she was born and educated in the U.S. She is married to uh, a neo-Banderite named Marco Sapoon, who has been very much involved with the Stop Fake uh, milieu, which has been acting in conjunction with the Bandera fascist milieu in Ukraine to uh, govern American media and what is considered kosher. We've spoken about, about that in the past in connection with uh, Marette Voretz and Prop or Not Stop Fake is part of that concatenation. <clears throat> we will come back to that 
in an upcoming update of the Ukraine war. However, uh, given her position as health minister of Ukraine for three-plus years, her political orientation is worth noting. Uh, Yasser Levin, in his Substack.com blog of February 25th of 2020, did a blog titled, a post I should say, CNN features fascist adjacent activist as expert on Russian disinfo. That fascist adjacent activist is the aforementioned Marco Sapoon, again like, uh, I'm not born in the U.S. We will talk more about him because he is an important figure. However, that will be down the road. What is worth noting is the similar political orientation of uh, Ulyana Sapun. Uh, quoting from a blog that was reposted by Yasha Levine, this from Moss Robson, R-O-B-E-S-O-N, from February 24th of 2020, CNN, Bernie Sanders, and the Ukrainian Perspective on Russian Interference, unquote. Talking about Marco Sapun and about Ulyama Sapun, uh, the Ukrainian health minister, Sapun is the husband of the Ukrainian-American Ulama Sapun, a prominent Bandera enthusiast with ties to the Ukrainian far-right who served as the healthcare minister of Ukraine from July of 2016 through August of 2019. And she has been networked with uh, the head of uh, one of the top people, anyway, a fellow named Mazur, uh, from Combat 14. Combat 14, or C-14, is the civil militia of the fascist Svoboda organization, one of the central elements in the Maidan coup, and the Combat 14 militia has enjoyed police powers in some 21 Ukrainian cities. It is named after the 14 words, uh, an international white supremacist, um, what would be the word, anthem, I guess one could say, slogan, that was minted by David Lane. The late David Lane was the getaway, uh, drove the getaway car in the Nazi group, the Order's assassination of Allen Berg. And his 14 words uh, are the naming vehicle for Combat 14. Again, the since the war began in February of this year, uh, anyone talking about the Nazi character of Ukrainian forces, and that is extensively, exhaustively documented, is labeled a Russian dupe, or worse, uh, the fact that one of their top auxiliary police organizations is named after the 14 words should tell us something. And again, uh, Ulyana Sapun, the health minister of Ukraine born in the U.S., uh, described here as a prominent Bandera enthusiast with ties to the Ukrainian far right, had networked extensively with the uh, people from Combat 14. And again, factoring uh, Ms. Sapun's uh, situation in with the Ukrainian biolabs, the position of uh, metabiota in Ukraine, and uh, the concatenation between metabiota in QPEL and Munich reinsurance to provide pandemic insurance is something to contemplate. Bear in mind that at the same time as we have noted that uh, metabiota 
was in 2018 talking about uh, hypothesizing about the spread of a novel coronavirus worldwide and something that would uh, entail things that were would maximize the cost per death prevented. These are things that uh, would be were factored into Mepobiopa's business model that they working that they were working with along with uh, Munich reinsurance to devise a pandemic insurance program and the maximum vehicles for cost per death prevented were social distancing quarantining and school closures and obviously those took place and this in 2018, they were hypothesizing about that, developing that into their business model, and ruminating about what would happen in connection with this if a novel coronavirus spread around the world, necessitating those ventures. At the very same time, Metabiopic was partnered with EcoHelp Alliance that we will revisit later in this program, and they were doing that kind of game-of-function research on those kinds of viruses, both at the Wuhan Institute of Virology that I have labeled the Oswald Institute of Virology, and also here in the U.S. More about that later. A, an item that is certainly interesting and may be significant is the fact that Nathan Wolf, the head of Metabiopa, it originally was a non-profit called GVRI. It later turned into the for-profit Metabiopa, and he had been networked with Ghislaine Maxwell, the now-convicted top aide to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein is someone we have spoken about in the past. We have not spent as much time on Jeffrey Epstein as uh, some might have liked. That, by the way, is one of the reasons why I recommend so strongly the comments, most of which are made by Parafractal. Uh, Parafractal has done some uh, excellent work about Jeffrey Epstein. I would note that his first job at the exclusive Dalton School was obtained for him by the headmaster of the Dalton School, and that was Donald Barr, the former U.S. intelligence officer, who was the father of another former U.S. intelligence officer, William Barr, who later became the attorney general, both under George H.W. Bush, the man for whom CIA headquarters is named, and also later under Donald Trump. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein got that position, despite the fact that they had no background in education. He was, however, good with kids. Uh, the Jeffrey Epstein situation suggests very strongly that he is part, or was part, of an intelligence community operation in which powerful political and business figures were compromised by basically setting them up with sex for underage with underage girls and or boys or underage women and or men and but then that was used for political blackmail and control the available evidence suggests that Jeffrey Epstein was working with US Israeli Saudi and very possibly British intelligence as well Ghislaine Maxwell was uh, one of his top assistants, and she had uh, been networked with uh, Nathan Wolf, the head of what became Metabiota. Uh, this is not conclusive, but Jeffrey Epstein's 
influence went far and wide, and he definitely had extended his tentacles into the world of uh, technological research and achievement. And so I think the possibility that uh, Epstein-related activity may have influenced Mephibiapa and Nathan Wolf is something to be contemplated. In the Treehugger blog, an update of August 15th of 2019, there is an article, Terramar Project Launches to Celebrate and Protect the World's Oceans. This by John Platt, P-L-A-T-T. And the Piramar Project was launched by Ghislaine Maxwell. Skipping down, a non-profit, the Piramar Project aims to celebrate and protect those high seas. Officially launched September 26th, again the 2019, at the Blue Ocean Film Festival and Conservation Conference in Monterey, California, the organization is the brainchild of lifelong marine enthusiast Ghislaine Maxwell. Skipping down. The announcement about the nonprofit came from four celebrated marine experts. Dr. Sylvia Earle, Captain Don Walsh, Don LaFoley, and virus hunter Nathan Wolf, again, head of Mephibiapa. Uh, he was later succeeded or basically appointed uh, Ms. Mobhav. Continuing. Earl and oceanographer and explorer in residence with the National Geographic Society and founder of the Sylvia Earl Alliance said at the time, quote, I am thrilled to be a founding citizen of Terramar and to celebrate the vital significance of the high seas to all people everywhere. And skipping down. The Terramar Project plans to roll out several new features on its website to keep engaging visitors in the importance of the high seas. The site will also feature fundraising tools to help raise money for ocean-related research or other projects. Not only will we, be, will we be able to set individual sponsorship goals for fundraising for certain projects, but our citizen users can then create their own projects for other people to fundraise for, Development Director Harris said. Now, whether or not uh, Nathan Wolf was taking advantage of those remains to be seen. He certainly has participated in some of the technology and scientific research projects that uh, Jeffrey Epstein had uh, put his tentacles into, and he also had uh, networked with uh, Ghislaine Maxwell at the Time Magazine Notable Human Beings uh, Functions. Basically, they did a uh, something like a hundred, the hundred top people or most influential people of the year, and both Ghislaine Maxwell and Nathan Wolf were part of that group. So they were, uh, again, to a certain extent at least, networked before the Terramar project. So, uh, was Jeffrey Epstein influence and possible, uh, sub Rosa monies channeled to Mevawaba? Again, we don't know. Uh, I think that is certainly a possibility to be pondered and perhaps further researched. In the past, I have uh, voiced my uh, concerns about and suspicions about Dr. Jeffrey Sachs. He is the Columbia, now Columbia, formerly Harvard University economics professor who for head-scratching reasons, was selected by the prestigious Lancet British 
scientific and medical publication to head up its COVID-19 commission. He eventually dissolved that commission uh, because of the participation of EcoHealth Alliance people in the commission. Uh, it was felt that that compromised the objectivity of the search for the origins of the virus because EcoHealth Alliance had the most profound connections to the national security establishment, uh, the Pentagon, USAID, a State Department subsidiary that often serves as a cover for CIA activities, their science and policy advisor, Dr. David Franz, or David Franz, I'm not sure that he's a doctor, the former commander of the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, the top facility at Fort Detrick. And again, EcoHealth Alliance uh, had been heavily networked with Pentagon and uh, was involved with the manipulations of bat-borne coronaviruses, both at Wuhan and at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, as we have seen. We're going to come back to them. Uh, again, I have ruminated aloud, and I will reiterate, it is something of a head-scratcher for Jeffrey Sachs, who has no scientific or medical credentials that I can determine, to have gotten the position that he got as head of the Lancet Commission. Uh, if, as uh, some Russian observers have opined, he works for the CIA, that might make some sense. Again, that is altogether conjectural. However, it certainly is a head-scratcher, and I would not rule that possibility out. That having been said, uh, Jeffrey Sachs has come forward in uh, something that is both noteworthy and potentially very useful. Jeffrey Sachs, in a Twitter uh, video that I have linked in the description for this program has opined that the coronavirus, the SARS-CoV-2, originated in the U.S. biotechnology lab. Uh, he said that uh, in his exact words, but he was pretty convinced that the virus came from the U.S. laboratory, although he feels it was a blunder. Uh, that is... In and of itself, I think, very welcome. Uh, Sachs's absence of scientific and medical credentials notwithstanding, uh, his prestige as head of the Lancet Commission certainly takes the biowarfare and the U.S. lab origin hypothesis uh, to a different level of scrutiny and credibility. Uh, again, he opined that he thinks it was a blunder. Uh, I would note that would be quite a blunder to get all the way from the U.S. into China. Uh, a friend of mine uh, <laughs> uh, joked that the way it got over there was through the blunder bus. That's an old and very, yet very powerful musket. Again, that Twitter video from uh, Arnaud Bertrand is linked in the written description for for the record program 1254 and uh, can be viewed. There also was an interview that Dr. Sachs gave with uh, Mohammed Mazari, M-A-Z-H-A-R-I, of the Tehran Times, and it is posted on his website, jeffsachs.org, from July 5th of 2022, and I'm going to read that. COVID possibly came out of a U.S. biotechnology lab, says Columbia professor. Again, this is from the Tehran Times. Uh, some awkwardness in the verbiage may come from the translation. 
and on the Jeffrey Sachs website, we can read the U.S. government was sponsoring a lot of dangerous genetic manipulation of SARS-like viruses and has not yet honestly revealed the nature of that work, Jeffrey Sachs tells the Tehran Times. There are worrying signs that this research may have created SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 disease, Sachs adds. There is enough evidence, quote, that made him reach this conclusion, which should be looked into, unquote. The professor from Columbia University notes, Sachs, who also chairs the COVID-19 Commission at the Lancet, a renowned medical journal, says that he was in the loop. It's a blunder, in my view, of biotech, not an accident of a natural spillover. Following is the text of the interview. And uh, I'm going to read the questions and answers in that Mohammed Mazari Tehran Times interview. Question. Is there scientifically proven evidence about the origin of COVID-19, or we should just rely on theories or hypotheses? Did they break out of natural reason like the MERS that emerged in Saudi Arabia? Answer. There are two hypotheses, a natural spillover as with MERS or a laboratory creation. Both are possible. The U.S. government was sponsoring a lot of dangerous genetic manipulation of SARS-like viruses and has not yet honestly revealed the nature of that work. There are worrying signs that this research may have created SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 disease. We can suspect this because U.S. scientists declared the intention to manipulate viruses in a way that could have created the virus. We need the U.S. government to be more transparent about the research it was sponsoring. There are worrying signs that genetic manipulation of SARS-like viruses that may have caused SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 disease. Question. Do you see the media political war over the origin of the pandemic? American officials and media blame China for its outbreak. Answer. Yes, the U.S. has tried to blame China without admitting its own possible role. Governments should cooperate with the WHO to find the truth. Question. Though the U.S. is a scientifically and technologically advanced country, the COVID-19 death rate is still high. How do you evaluate the performance of the Trump and Biden administrations to curb the pandemic? Answer. The U.S. did a poor job with more than one million dead. The public behaves badly, rejecting face masks, for example. Trump was completely irresponsible. Biden did a little better in terms of science, but overall U.S. performance was poor. Question. Do you think the globe can eradicate COVID-19 in the near future? And is it possible for the world to face new pandemics with unnatural origins? Answer. It is likely that COVID will be with us for a long time to come, perhaps with new serious waves. The pandemic is still not close to being ended. A lot of dangerous biological manipulation of pathogens is still going on. This kind of laboratory research needs to be made public and properly regulated. Bioweapons research needs to stop. We need global cooperation for this to happen. Question. 
Do you agree with conspiracy theories that claim COVID resulted from the search for a biological war? Answer. I do not believe that COVID came from biowarfare research. More likely, it came from research to create drugs and vaccines. Either way, we need to know more. The U.S. National Institute of Health should, or National Institutes of Health, NIH, should make public the information about this kind of research. Again, I, that is in and of itself modified limited hangout. Um, again, uh, I f- find it curious that Jeffrey Sachs, someone with no scientific or medical expertise, would have been selected for that position by Lancet. That is in and of itself a head-scratcher. Uh, nonetheless, however, he has come forward with what is uh, certainly modified limited hangout. He thinks that the virus came from the U.S. lab, but that it was accidental and not the product of biowarfare research. The last statement is really impossible to make, honestly, because uh, the technology is dual use. And uh, again, with things like the national security links of EcoHelp Alliance partnered with Metabiopa, the fact that uh, the intelligence community's venture capital arm InQtel was greasing the financial wheels for the cooperation between Metabiopa and Munich Reinsurance to develop pandemic insurance, the fact that in 2018 Metabiopa uh, partnered again with EcoHealth Alliance that at that very point in time was working to genetically manipulate coronaviruses, bat-borne coronaviruses, both in China and in the U.S. Uh, it talked about as part of its developing business model for the pandemic insurance it was crafting with InQtel and with, um, with Munich Reinsurance. What would happen if a novel coronavirus spread around the world and necessitated, among other things, quarantines, uh, social distancing, and school closures? Of course, just exactly those things happened. Among the reasons that uh, Jeffrey Sachs disbanded the Lancet Commission, that you had people like uh, Peter Bashek and Ralph Barrett, who were involved with the Nature magazine letter that uh, was sort of the Bible for the origins of the virus early on in the pandemic, and they said, no, this was a natural occurrence. I labeled that the magic virus theory in the programs I did in the 1120 series. And then later, when a June 2021 Vanity Fair article came out talking about the lab leak hypothesis. It came out that when when Trump administration officials were pushing the lab leak hypothesis, they were told by uh, government officials that they should keep quiet about that because that would focus unwelcome attention on U.S. funding of that research and that that could lead to A, the opening of a can of worms, unquote, or the a quote, Pandora's box, unquote, uh, as I will uh, discuss at greater length in the next program or two, uh, taken in connection, a number of those statements might be seen uh, as uh, basically substantively 
proving guilt in the legal hypothesis of uh, the legal concept of consciousness of guilt. However, I will guarantee you this will never come out. This will get the uh, the Warren Commission treatment or Warren uh, once observed to uh, a questioner who asked if the truth would ever come out about the JFK assassination, and he said yes, but not in your lifetime. Uh, again, if the truth ever comes out about the origins of uh, COVID-19, it, uh, well, it won't happen anytime soon. So uh, don't hold your breath. Now, in the discussion that follows and in all of our discussion of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, and the development of SAME, there is an article that uh, is absolutely fundamental for understanding this. And this comes from the uh, Guardian's issue of June 19th of 2018. This is an article by Ian Sample, and uh, it basically talks about synthetic biology and notes that uh, once uh, the genome, the genetic material of a virus, is published, uh, then basically it can, once it's, it basically is sequenced and, uh, available online or in a scientific paper, it can be synthesized from scratch. And that is something very, very important to take stock of. And we will talk about this, uh, in the program. Uh, and, uh, we, we've spoken about it in many, uh, broadcasts. And, uh, again, it is from the Guardian magazine of the Guardian newspaper, I should say, of June 19th of 2018. And it's an article by Ian Sample, and it notes that with synthetic biology, uh, any virus can be synthesized from scratch once the genome has been sequenced and is available either online or in and or in a scientific paper. And again, we should not uh, overlook the significance of that article. Uh, specifically, uh, the Ian Sample article, uh, the, the, the uh, Ian Sample article, synthetic biology raises risk of new bioweapons. U.S. report warns by Ian Sample from the Guardian of June 19th of 2018. The rapid rise of synthetic biology, a futuristic field of science that seeks to master the machinery of life, has raised the risk of a new generation of bioweapons, according to a major U.S. report into the state of the art. As detailed in that article, quote, advances in the area mean that scientists now have the capability to recreate dangerous viruses from scratch, make harmful bacteria more deadly, and modify common microbes so that they can turn out legal pox, turn out leave, one more time, in the report the scientists described uh, and modify common microbes so that they turn out lethal toxins once they enter the body. In the report, the scientists describe how synthetic biology, which gives researchers precision tools to manipulate living organisms, quote, enhances and expands opportunities to create bioweapons. Note the following. Today, the genetic code of almost any mammalian virus can be found online and synthesized. The technology to do this is available now, said Michael Imperiali. He chaired the University of Michigan Symposium on the same. It requires expertise, but it's something that's relatively easy to do, and that is why it tops the list. Again, 
Today, the genetic code of almost any mammalian virus can be found online and synthesized or modified. The technology to do this is available now. It requires some expertise, but it's something that's relatively easy to do, and that is why it tops the list. And that is one of the things that we need to keep in mind as we listen to the following. Now, for the rest of this program, and certainly going into the next, I'm going to both highlight and read a very scientifically and technically dense article that was co-authored by the aforementioned Jeffrey Sachs and Neil L. Harrison. This is for the PMAS publication of May 19th of 2022. That's a prestigious scientific organization. A call for an independent inquiry into the origin of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and the link is available in the written description for, for the record, 1254, or will be when it is online. Now, this article uh, exemplifies why I put the printed sources upon which my lines of argument are based uh, online. Again, this is not material that was ever meant to be read verbally. Uh, this may be a very difficult thing for the audience to grasp of, from a verbal presentation. This is not in any way to be condescending, but this is tough stuff. This is not meant to be read on the radio. Nonetheless, the implications of this are absolutely devastating. And again, the article, uh, A Call for an Independent Inquiry into the Origin of the SARS-CoV-2 Virus by Neil L. Harrison and Jeffrey D. Sachs in the letter to the publication PNAS from May 19th of 2022. And I'm going to read some highlights and uh extrapolate or ruminate about those as best I can, and then I will read the entire article straight through. Again, this is not something that was meant to be read on the radio, so this uh, will, I think, (laughs) expand the admittedly extremely pedantic parameters of this program. Nonetheless, this is devastating. And some key excerpts from that article, again from May 19th of 2022, the Neil Harrison and Jeffrey Sachs letter, Information now held by the research team headed by EcoHealth Alliance, as well as the communications of that research team with U.S. research funding agencies, including the National Institutes of Health, USAID, State Department uh, subsidiary that often serves as a front for CIA operations, DARPA, Pentagon Agency, DPRA, another Pentagon agency, and the Department of Homeland Security, could shed considerable light on the experiments undertaken by the U.S.-funded research team and on the possible relationship, if any, between those experiments and the emergence of SARS-CoV-2. And although it's not mentioned here, uh, another Pentagon defense contractor, uh, Metabiata, partnered with Munich Reinsurance and with uh, financial backing from uh, InQtel, the CIA and intelligence community's financial or venture capital arm, uh, is in the same mix with EcoHealth Alliance, partnered with Metabiata since 2014. And skipping down... <clears throat> 
looked at the work on SARS like COVs performed in Wuhan, was part of an active and highly collaborative U.S. China scientific research program funded by the U.S. government, the National Institute of Health, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, Pentagon, and U.S. Agency for International Development, State Department frequent cover for CIA, as I said, coordinated by researchers at EcoHealth Alliance, EHA chief, EHA chief funders are Pentagon USAID. Its science and policy advisor is David Franz, the former commanding officer of the U.S. Army Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. So uh, note the predominance here of national security uh, institutions in this mix and factor in, again, Medabiata and uh, Incutel as well, although they're not mentioned here. <clears throat> Uh, continuing. For this reason, it is important that U.S. institutions be transparent about any knowledge of the detailed activities that were underway in Wuhan and in the U.S. The evidence may also suggest that research institutions in other countries were involved, and those too should be asked to submit relevant information, e.g. with respect to unpublished sequences. As outlined below, much could be learned by investigating U.S.-supported and U.S.-based work that was underway in collaboration with Wuhan-based institutions, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology, or WIV, in China. It is still not clear whether the IC investigated these U.S.-supported and U.S.-based activities. IC is the U.S. intelligence community in the early 2021, uh, quote, investigation, unquote, of the lab leak hypothesis. I've spoken about that at great length in the past. Again, it is still not clear whether the intelligence community investigated these U.S.-supported and U.S.-based activities. Again, note that... Uh, uh, I have referred to the WIV as the Oswald Institute of Virology. I believe it was set up to take the fall for the pandemic in much the same way as the as Lee Harvey Oswald was framed, uh, basically set up to look like a communist, and then framed for the assassination of JFK and killed before he could adequately defend himself. Continuing here. It is still not clear whether the intelligence community investigated the U.S.-supported and U.S.-based activities. If it did, it has yet to make any of its findings available to the U.S. scientific community for independent and transparent analysis and assessment. If, on the other hand, the intelligence community did not investigate these U.S.-supported and U.S.-based activities, then it has fallen far short of conducting a comprehensive investigation. Participating U.S. institutions include the EcoHealth Alliance, the University of North Carolina, UNC, the University of California at Davis, UCB, the National Institutes of Health, and the USAID. Under a series of NIH grants and USAID contracts, EcoHealth Alliance coordinated the collection of SARS like bat COVs from the field in southwest China and Southeast Asia, the sequencing of these viruses, the archiving of these sequences involving University of California at Davis, and the analysis and manipulation of these viruses, notably at the University of North Carolina. 
A broad spectrum of coronavirus research was done not only in Wuhan, including groups at Wuhan University and the Wuhan CDC, as well as WIV, but also in the United States. The exact details of the fieldwork and laboratory work of the EHA, that's Equal Health Alliance, Wuhan Institute of Virology, University of North Carolina Partnership, and the engagement of other institutions in the United States and China has not been disclosed for independent analysis. The precise nature of the experiments that were conducted, including the full array of viruses collected from the field and the subsequent sequencing and manipulation of those viruses, remains unknown. Now, bear in mind, again, the uh, Guardian article from June 19th of 2018 that uh, the genome of any mammalian virus can be found online. Note what this talks about here. Again, uh, the EcoHelp Alliance coordinated the collection of SARS-like bat COVs from the field in southwest China and southeast Asia, the sequencing of these viruses, the archiving of these sequences involving UCB, and the analysis and manipulation of these viruses, notably at UNC. A broad spectrum of coronavirus research was done not only in Wuhan, including groups at Wuhan University and the Wuhan CDC, as well as WIV, but also in the U.S. The exact details of the field work and laboratory work of the EHA-WIV-UNC partnership and the engagement of other institutions in the U.S. and China has not been disclosed for independent analysis. The precise nature of the experiments that were conducted, including the full array of viruses collected from the field and the subsequent sequencing and manipulation of those viruses, remains unknown. Again, the precise nature of the experiments that were conducted, including the full array of viruses collected from the field and the subsequent sequencing and manipulation of those viruses, remains unknown. The National Institutes of Health could say more about the possible role of its grantees in the emergence of SARS-CoV-2, yet the agency has failed to reveal to the public the possibility that SARS-CoV-2 emerged from a research-associated event, even though several researchers raised that concern on February 1st, 2020, in a phone conversation that was documented by email. Those emails were released to the public only through Freedom of Information Act, and they suggest that the NIH leadership took an early and active role in promoting the zoonotic hypothesis and the rejection of the laboratory-associated hypothesis. The National Institutes of Health has resisted the release of important evidence, such as the grant proposals and project reports of EcoHealth Alliance, again, basically a Pentagon contractor, and has continued to redact materials released under Freedom of Information Act, including a remarkable 290-page redaction in a recent Freedom of Information Act release. Uh, that, in the words of that old Alka-Seltzer Alka commercial, is a summer species meatball. I mean, you gods, one more time. The National Institute of Health has resisted the release of important evidence such as the grant proposals and project reports of the EcoHealth Alliance, again, 
partnered with Merva and has continued to redact materials released under Freedom of Information Act, including a remarkable 290-page redaction in a recent Freedom of Information Act release. In the sweet creeping Jesus, that's a lot of pages to redact. Uh, and again, as I've said so often, uh, it, it looks very much like what the brilliant Berkeley professor Peterdale Scott said uh, when he observed that, quote, the cover-up obviates the conspiracy. Uh, and as I've noted, it's like Bugs Bunny in an old haunted house, and he knocks on the door and goes, anybody in there? And the voice says, no, there's nobody in here. Why would back 290 pages in uh, a Freedom of Information Act suit for about the proposals and project reports of the EcoHelp Alliance? And continuing with skipping down, Acting National Institutes of Health Director Lawrence Tabak, T-A-B-A-K, <laughs> Acting National Institute of Health Director Lawrence Tabak, T-A-B-A-K, testified before Congress that several such Sequences in a U.S. database were removed from public view. Again, several such sequences in a U.S. database were removed from public view. Of course, this was on May 11th of 2022. We testified that everybody's paying attention to Ukraine. Uh, and again, noting that once uh, the sequencing and archiving of these viral genomes has taken place, and that did take place. Uh, they can be synthesized from scratch or modified from scratch. Still more here. Special, and this is one of the really suspicious aspects of this virus, or unusual would be a very polite term. Special concerns surround the presence of an unusual foreign cleavage site, or FCS, in SARS-CoV-2 that augments the pathogenicity and transmissibility of the virus relative to related viruses like SARS-CoV-1. One more time. Special concerns surround the presence of an unusual furin cleavage site, or furin, I'm not sure, it's F-U-R-I-N, I don't know about the pronunciation, furin cleavage site, or FCS, in SARS-CoV-2, that augments the pathogenicity and transmissibility of the virus relative to related viruses like SARS-CoV-1. SARS-CoV-2 is, to date, the only identified member of the subgenus Sarbacovirus that contains an FCS, although these are present in other coronaviruses. One more time. SARS-CoV-2 is, to date, the only identified member of the subgenus Sarbacovirus that contains an FCS, although these are present in other coronaviruses. And note that that FCS, quote, augments the pathogenicity and transmissibility of the virus relative to related viruses like SARS-CoV-1. So that's what it does, and it's extremely rare. At least the only member of the subgenus Sarbacovirus that has it. Continuing here. A portion of the sequence of the spike protein of some of these viruses is illustrated in the alignment shown in Figure 1, illustrating the unusual nature of the FCS and its apparent insertion in SARS-CoV-2. One more time. 
a portion of the sequence of the spike protein of some of these viruses is illustrated in the alignment shown in Figure 1, illustrating the unusual nature of the FCS and its apparent insertion in SARS-CoV-2. From the first weeks after the genome sequence of SARS-CoV-2 became available, researchers have commented on the unexpected presence of the FCS within SARS-CoV-2, the implication being that SARS-CoV-2 might be a product of laboratory manipulation. In a review piece arguing against this possibility, it was asserted that the amino acid sequence of the FCS in SARS-CoV-2 is an unusual, non-standard sequence for an FCS and that nobody in a laboratory would design such a novel FCS. In fact, the assertion that FCS in SARS-CoV-2 has an unusual, non-standard amino acid sequence is false. The amino acid sequence of the FCS in SARS-CoV-2 also exists in the human ENAC, a subunit where it is known to be functional and has been extensively studied. The FCS of human ENACA has the amino acid sequence RRAR apostrophe SDAS, an eight amino acid sequence that is perfectly identical, that is perfectly identical with the FCS of SARS-CoV-2. One more time. The FCS of human ENACA has the amino acid sequence RRAR apostrophe SDAS, an eight amino acid sequence that is perfectly identical with the FCS of SARS-CoV-2. ENAC is an epithelial sodium channel expressed on the apical surface of epithelial cells in the kidney, colon, and airways that plays a critical role in controlling fluid exchange. The ENACA subunit has a functional FCS that is essential for ion channel functioning and has been characterized in a variety of species. The FCS sequence of human ENACA is identical in chimpanzee, bonobo, orangutan, and gorilla, but diverges in all other species, even primates, except for one. The one non-human, non-great ape species with the same sequence is Pipistrellus kuli, K-U-H-L-I-I, a bat species found in Europe and Western Asia. Other bat species, including Rhinophilus from Inquinum, have a different FCS sequence in ENACA. Note that the one non-human great ape species with the same sequence is Pipistrellus cooley, a bat species found in Europe and Western Asia. Those were major focal points of DARPA and EHA research, as we have seen in that Whitney Webb article, among others. Continuing, one consequence of this molecular mimicry between the FCS of SARS-CoV-2 spike and the FCS of human ENAC is competition for host furin in the lumen of the Golgi apparatus where the SARS-CoV-2 spike is processed. This results in a decrease in human ENAC expression. 
a decrease in human EMAC expression compromises airway function and has been implicated as a contributing factor in the pathogenesis of COVID-19. Another consequence of this astonishing molecular mimicry is evidenced by apparent cross-reactivity with human EMAC of antibodies from COVID-19 patients with the highest levels of cross-reacting antibodies directed against this epitope being associated with the most severe disease. And another excerpt. We do know that the insertion of such FCS sequences into SARS-like viruses was a specific goal of work proposed by the EcoHelp Alliance, Wuhan Institute of Virology, UNC partnership within a 2018 grant proposal, uh, labeled DIFFUSE in capital letters, that was submitted to the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA. The 2018 proposal for DARPA was not funded, but we do not know whether some of the proposed work was subsequently carried out in 2018 or 2019, perhaps using another source of funding. We also know that this research team would be familiar with several previous experiments involving the successful insertion of an FCS sequence in the SARS-CoV-1 and other coronaviruses, and that they have a lot of experience in construction of chimeric SARS-like viruses. In addition, the research team would also have some familiarity with the FCS sequence and the FCS-dependent activation mechanism of human EMAC, which was extensively characterized at University of North Carolina. For a research team assessing the pandemic potential of SARS-related coronaviruses, the FCS of human EMAC, an FCS known to be efficiently cleavaged by host furin present in the target location epithelial cells of an important target organ, the lung, of the target organism, human, might be a rational, if not obvious, choice of FCS to introduce into a virus to alter its infectivity in line with other work performed previously. And uh, one more. Of course, the molecular mimicry of EMAC within the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein might be a mere coincidence, although one with a very low probability. The exact FCS sequence present in SARS-CoV-2 has recently been introduced into the spike protein of SARS-CoV-1 in the laboratory in an elegant series of experiments with predictable consequences in terms of enhanced viral transmissibility and pathogenicity. Obviously, the creation of such SARS-1 and 2 chimeras is an area of some concern for those responsible for present and future regulation in the area of biology. And we will continue not only with this excerpting analysis overlapping with this program, but also a reading of the entire article in our next program. However, we are all out of time. Remember the other uh, things, including the three one-hour-a-week Patreon talks to uh, help flesh out understanding not only of this, but other uh, topics, but other important things that are going on. This concludes for the record program number 1254, Pandemics Incorporated Part 4, being recorded on July 20th of the year 2022. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun.